Welcome to the From the STEM Up podcast. My name is Adriana, and here we spark youth connections in STEM fields. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 11 for the From the STEM Up podcast. Today I'm super stoked for this next guest because she's been places. Hey, Anika, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I I had to close my window because there's like a lawnmower outside. So I hope you don't hear that. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yes. So hello, my name is Anika and I'm a 17-year-old international baccalaureate diploma student from California. And I'm a student researcher at the University of California, Santa Cruz in the computational media department where I've been conducting research for a virtual reality aid to assist individuals with developmental disabilities. And this past year, I had the opportunity to compete in the International Science and Engineering Fair Circuit, where I became an ISEF finalist and received an award from the Yale Science and Engineering Association for my research. Okay, that is amazing. I'm really passionate about students who do research because a lot of young people think that Research is only for people in university and, and older individuals. And so apart from your research, I know you live in California and research at the University of California, Santa Cruz. What is your favorite part about living in California? So as cliche as it sounds, the weather would have to be my most favorite part about California because I live near the beach. So it's always really fun to be able to go to the beach and be outside almost all months of the year. And especially during quarantine, it's been really nice to go out on early morning walks without it being too cold. I would love that, actually, because here in Canada, it's a little bit too cold sometimes. It's either minus 40 or plus 40, and I can't handle the winds. My dream is to go to California one day. Um, What are your favorite spots in California that you would recommend for me? Definitely, I think it's a must to always go to the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Like, even though it is a tourist trap, it is a must. And walking across the bridge is always so much fun. But be warned, it is really cold in San Francisco. But probably not for you, because you experience minus 40 degree weather. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm pretty used to that. I'm obsessed with that bridge. I really want to go to San Francisco. So, yeah, that's part of my travel plans. I hope this quarantine um, lifts off in the next couple of years. So we'll be able to travel. All right. So a little bit more on the STEM side of things. What does STEM mean to you? STEM to me is a resource which allows us to make an impact on the world because for me personally, STEM has allowed me to take action on a problem that I saw and make a difference. I also think that STEM is our future and is how we will advance as a society because whether it be biologists finding a vaccine to cure the coronavirus or an individual creating flying cars, we are changing the world and finding solutions to be more efficient as a society and progress. Exactly. And I believe that STEM literally is a superpower. Like without STEM, we wouldn't be able to cure coronavirus, um, as you mentioned, or even create flying cars. It's it's just amazing what we can do with it. I totally agree. So I know you are passionate about helping those with disabilities. You have mentioned a little bit about your research, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later as well. What got you inspired to help this group of people specifically? And can you give a short rundown of your inspiration behind it? Yeah, so I got inspired to help individuals with developmental disabilities because I got to see the struggles that these individuals experience firsthand um, because I have a friend who has high-functioning autism. And going to a small, low-funded school, our school cannot always provide resources for these individuals. 
which required them to seek assistance outside of schools, which was extremely hard because the most common and effective intervention methods are in-person treatments, but these are not accessible for three main reasons, the price, the location, and the demographic that these methods cater towards. For the price, in-person intervention methods cost upwards of $47,000 annually, which is just unaffordable for many. And for the location, behavioral specialists who administer the in-person methods are mostly located in urban settings, which make it hard for people living in rural settings to get these resources. And finally, behavioral specialists cater mainly towards younger individuals with developmental disabilities, which makes it hard for older individuals and adults to find these resources. For what my inspiration was, through my friend, I realized that not having these crucial resources could be dangerous and have social consequences. So I started looking into other alternatives, but came to realize there wasn't one that was both effective and affordable and accessible. So this led me to reach out to a local university, UCSC, as I mentioned earlier, that has a lab that worked with creating aids for individuals with developmental disabilities. And together we created a solution using virtual reality. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's so awesome because VR and AI are some of the biggest growing fields at the moment. And it's amazing that youth are taking the steps to help these minorities and these groups to make their lives a lot more accessible. As you said, it takes so much money, like $47,000 annually, and it just takes a lot of resources. But with this tech, it just so much more efficient and it just blows my mind that you were able to do something like this at such a young age and and that's the power of youth in STEM it's just amazing can you give me a brief summary of your experience with the 360 virtual reality and some of more of the research you helped out with yeah so after realizing that individuals with developmental disabilities are not always able to get these resources i looked into current alternative solutions um, and I found that the current most effective solution were the in-person treatments, but as we discussed, these are not always accessible and affordable. And I also found that a common alternative to in-person methods was technology, but there were a lot of current technological solutions that weren't as effective as in-person methods, which could be a problem. This is mainly because technology does not have high enough immersion levels to simulate a face-to-face -face interaction which basically means that users don't feel like they're actually in a real life situation when they're using a technological aid. This is especially common with mobile and desktop games because in these games, you aren't really in the actual game. You still have your surroundings around you and other distractions. This makes it harder for individuals with developmental disabilities to apply these skills to their real life and which therefore makes the aid less effective. There are other forms of technology as well that are still extremely expensive, even though they cost less than in-person treatments. But these are the more effective methods. One extremely effective technology but expensive solution was a virtual reality room, which was built in a special education school in Wales. But again, this is not feasible for many families, schools, and programs. So after analyzing all these current solutions and their effectiveness, I turned to VR headsets because they are much cheaper than a full virtual reality room and in-person treatments while having high levels of immersion and therefore making it more effective. Yeah, wow, this is amazing. I really like how you took this problem and kind of broke it down and realized some of the gaps in it. And a lot of people would tend to kind of reinvent the wheel, but you took a 
problem and made it better. And I think that's a really powerful way to solve solutions. This is a really great example of this. Um, and I love how you are able to give these people a chance to play games and develop their skills and maybe, and even more, like we don't know what VR can do, but it can do a bunch of things and we just need to be able to invest our time in it. So yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. Where do you want to take your research and this virtual reality aid next? My next step is to get my VR aid in more schools and special education programs because right now it's just limited to my school district. Um, and because of the coronavirus, I wasn't unable to get it into more schools. But I think it is extremely important to have these aids in schools because individuals with developmental disabilities are now able to have access to these resources, which they might not have otherwise. And after learning the social consequences that can occur if individuals with developmental don't have these skills, it really makes me want to help these individuals more. Additionally, I would like to take steps towards making my aid into a nonprofit to gain even more awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I definitely see potential with this moving into a nonprofit. It is a really amazing step into a great realm of, of opportunities for those who have disabilities. So I just wanted to know what your future career goals were and are. And I know it's a really big question, but... Um, yeah, so in college, I would like to double major in computer science and business. Um, computer science because of my experience with creating the VR aid and through creating the VR aid I've seen how impactful computer science can be and how computer science is a resource that allows us to change the world and fix problems that we identify in the world. Um, I would additionally like to study business with computer science because I would like to take the next step in expanding my aid by turning it into a nonprofit like I mentioned and getting it into more schools and I think understanding business and understanding that side of creating an aid and distributing an aid is equally as important as having an aid and making it. Exactly. And, and I really think that the blend between computer science and business is very powerful because I think if you are planning to pursue something like entrepreneurship or any business in general, having computer science and business acumen are both really important and having those two together, that is a really awesome choice for you. And I um, see you there in the future. As per like schools, what do you think are your top choices? Ooh, that would be hard, but I definitely think I would want to be somewhere near um, the Silicon Valley. Um, so like Stanford or UC Berkeley, um, because both those schools have really strong computer science programs, as well as business programs, and they allow me to combine both of them. Mm -hmm. and, and I definitely think um, as well, Stanford also has a really great entrepreneurship side of things. And I've heard really great things about UC Berkeley's um, computer science as well. I wish you good luck with your applications. And uh, with that, I'm just going to head into the break, and I'll see you guys after the break. Guess what? From the Stem Up now has a new website, which is fromthestemup.media. There you can find all the sign-up links. You can find the link to the Discord server, where you'll be able to meet all the listeners, and opportunities in STEM and advice in STEM will also be there as well. And obviously all the links to listen to the podcast. So make sure to check it out. Hey guys, I found this really great website called dweebsglobal.org. So that is D-W-E-E-B-S global.org. It's an all-volunteer international movement that offers free mentorship and everything 
from career advice to mental health. So for example, I needed advice on how to make a resume. I could reach out to the mentors on the platform for free and they would look over my resume before maybe a job interview or a volunteer position. So I definitely recommend checking them out. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that break. For this next segment, I wanted to change it up as I usually do. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about individuals with disabilities. And I know you've been actively um, helping them out, Anika, and making their lives more accessible. What do you think is the best way we can spread awareness about these individuals? I think the best way to, for us to spread awareness is simply through discussing it with others rather than brushing it off as something that doesn't concern us. I think it would be beneficial for a lot of us to get to also know these individuals with developmental disabilities on a personal level rather than just viewing them as someone who's different from us. And a way to do this is by reaching out to your school's special education program or a center which assists individuals with developmental disabilities and seeing if you can volunteer or spend time with these individuals. And this will help you get to know them. From personal experience, spending time with these individuals has been a unique and rewarding experience that I would highly recommend. Additionally, to bring more awareness to the problem, I think in our everyday life, it is important to understand that all individuals are different and that if you encounter someone with a developmental disability, be patient. They are trying their best and working their hardest to achieve the skills that may seem second nature to us. Mm -hmm. Everyone is unique and everyone has their own ways of learning and contributing to the world. So collaborating and making sure that everyone has a voice is really important. What sort of extra burden do you think those with disabilities at school have, especially in the more technical STEM related subjects at school? So individuals with disabilities have a hard time assimilating to school settings like a classroom. Even if they are in a classroom setting, sometimes they simply do not feel comfortable enough to ask questions or receive help, which some of us may be able to do. And this is extremely difficult in more technical subjects like STEM subjects, where the content is often more challenging and any individual will probably need more help. And if individuals with developmental disabilities don't feel comfortable asking others for help or their teacher for help, this can result in negative experiences and then make them not want to do STEM subjects, even if they have the capability to do that or have a passion in that. And this results in them shying away from the topic in general. And for a lot of STEM subjects, many of us need to get fundamental skills down before we can advance further. And not having these fundamental skills can limit our advancements in these skills. For example, in math, you need a strong foundation in order to advance and learn new topics, no matter who you are. And if you're unable to receive help because you are too scared of judgment from your peers or from others, you are at a disadvantage. Definitely. I think that bringing awareness that STEM is not something that should be less approachable than other subjects, especially for those with disabilities, because there's many ways you can teach STEM and giving them different resources, even maybe utilizing VR would be a really great way to teach them these kind of scenarios. And it goes for everyone. I think that a lot of the stuff we teach at school is based on a regimented textbook. And I think that we should really start to expand and utilize these new technologies so that everyone is engaged while learning these really crucial topics such as math. So I know you've had a super big contribution to your peers and who is someone that you look up to the most? So someone who has really inspired me when I was creating my aid and through this whole process 
is Ruth Bader Ginsburg because something I've always valued in an individual is the ability to see a problem and take action, which is what Ginsburg did with gender discrimination in the workplace. And even though she's not technically in the STEM field like myself, she fought for problems that are still prevalent in the STEM industry, like gender equality. Ginsburg inspires me because she saw a problem in the world, which was a lack of gender equality, and she did not stop until she fixed it. Even after her victories, she kept going and kept pushing to make a difference, which I think is crucial in making an impact on the world. Especially with my research in creating an aid for individuals with developmental disabilities, I think it is equally as important to be an advocate for these individuals who you are helping as it is to create a solution, which Ginsburg has done during her career. Exactly. And and you're definitely following in her footsteps and taking your own passion and helping others in the same way. And I'm really proud to see that you are a female in STEM and you are not letting your gender impact your ability to do the same things as your counterparts would do in STEM fields. And I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg would be very proud. Um, so you mentioned how Ruth Bader Ginsburg was an advocate as well as being able to create a solution. How have you been an advocate for individuals with sorry, with developmental disabilities? So one thing I focused on while being an advocate for individuals with developmental disabilities is the legal side of it and ensuring that individuals with developmental disabilities are aware of their legal rights and aren't taken advantage of. So I'm currently the president of my school's mock trial team, which is basically an extracurricular that allows high school students to get a real legal case made up by the mock trial administration and work with the case as if you're a real attorney. And through this, I learn more about the laws that occur when making an aid or a product or a company, especially with technology through digital privacy laws. I realized that individuals with developmental disabilities are vulnerable to not understanding their digital privacy laws. So something that has been important to me during the creation of my aid was to ensure that user, the users I was working with were aware of their rights. I'm also the president of my school's Interact Club, and I'm a student ambassador of my city's Rotary International Chapter, where I spread awareness about the struggles that individuals with developmental disabilities face. And now as the president of my school's Interact Club, I have the ability to choose the cause we will be supporting this year, and I chose to further help individuals with developmental disabilities. And right now, I am in the middle of working with a local center that assists individuals with developmental disabilities to plan events, whether they be virtual because of the coronavirus or in person. Wow, it is really awesome that you are tapping into different avenues to really solve this issue. And it's amazing that um, you're reaching out to many different organizations and starting your own. Um, so if you guys are passionate about something, I really recommend doing the same thing that Anika's doing, whether it's by joining a club or by creating your own and maybe even tapping into some research as well. And I know that research is linked to Science Fair um, and I think Science Fair is a very powerful um, initiative. Why did you decide to participate in Science Fairs, Anika? Do you have any tips about it? So I decided to participate in science fairs because I knew that I want to share my research and my aid with others because I think that's an important step in ensuring that individuals with developmental disabilities are able to get the resources they need. Um, as for tips, so I go to a school where it is not common to compete in science fairs or conduct science research. So one of the hardest parts for me while competing in the science fair circuit was creating the poster board because I had three years worth of research that was supposed to condense into a single board, which is a lot harder than it seems. But one suggestion I have for this would be to make a good poster board 
by using diagrams and pictures instead of words, which was something that I did not realize in the very beginning. Also, I would suggest organizing your words into major chunks in boxes so it looks clearer. And this goes very, very far because you want to attract people to your work in order to spread awareness, and this is how I did so. As for familiarizing yourself with science fairs as a high schooler who has never done science fairs before, I would definitely suggest watching the science fair documentary by National Geographic because it helped me so much and was probably one of the main reasons I became an ISEF finalist. And it shows the paths of many individuals who competed in the International Science Fair circuit. And it is so inspiring to see other students who are making major breakthroughs in the STEM field every single day. Yeah, it's amazing that you've been able to attend ISEF. What was your experience um, there? So unfortunately, ISEF got canceled this year because of the coronavirus, but we still were able to participate in a virtual fair. Um, luckily, I still got the opportunity to talk to many of the judges and hear about their research and what they're doing in the field of helping individuals with developmental disabilities. I also got to hear from other students who were using virtual reality or other types of aids like AI to make a difference in the world, which was so inspiring to know that others are trying to make a difference just like me. Yeah, and it's really amazing that these international events were still able to continue despite having it being canceled. And it's amazing that youth around the world, including you, were able to present their work um, regardless. I know there are a bunch of other online competitions such as the INSPO Science Fair. Um, if you're not be able, if you didn't have any uh, regional science fairs. And so being able to present it at a science fair is just an extra plus. Um, I believe that we're really privileged to have science fairs in North America, especially. It's, it's a very great culture. Um, and I believe that everyone around the world should be able to have access to a science fair or um, be able to present and get feedback on their research, which I think is very valuable. All right. So what advice would you give to our listeners who want to get involved with research opportunities like yours, but don't know where to start? So to get involved in research, I definitely suggest to be proactive with your search. Um, for me, I found the lab I'm working with through a summer internship program run by the university I'm working with. Um, once I completed the summer internship, I asked the professor who ran my lab if I could continue my work during the academic year, and luckily they agreed. And if you are from California, I know that all the UCs have some sort of summer internship program that is run by the university for high schoolers. So if you're a high school student who is located near a UC, I would definitely look into that. If you are not able to go through a program like that or do not live in California, I would definitely try cold emailing a lot of professors. This means finding universities or companies that are close to you and asking them to help in their labs. Um, for emails, my biggest tip is to be concise, but also demonstrate why you want to work in their lab or their company and why you would be a good fit. And when cold emailing, it is important that you don't get discouraged by no's because you will definitely get a lot of no's but it does not mean anything about you or your capabilities. And I think you should continue pushing through because eventually you'll get a yes. Another suggestion I have is to not worry about what university you are doing research at or what company you are doing an internship at because it really does not matter in the long run. Research is still research, especially if it is in an area that you are really passionate and interested in. I really agree with that last point. It does take a little bit of tries. Um, you might be lucky, but a lot of the professors are really just busy and they don't have time for you in there, but you are capable. And if you're not really into research, if you're more into maybe internships, companies, doesn't matter. It really depends on the amount of effort you wish to put in. 
it doesn't matter if you're working at Google or if you're working at a local startup. Um, as long as you show that you're putting your best in, you will get really great references that way. And then with those references and those connections, we'll be able to help you move up. No one goes to Google right away, especially at a young age, aim for those kind of things, but reach out to your local uh, companies and organizations because honestly, they really do very similar things. And a lot of the research they do is equally as important. So yeah, I definitely agree with what you said there. All right, so my final question for you is, what is the most important skill to have to make an impact? I think the most important skill to have in order to make an impact on the world is to not be afraid to ask for help and take risks because you never know what the outcome of an action will be until you try. If I didn't take the risk in reaching out to a local university and asking for help to create an aid to help individuals with developmental disabilities, I wouldn't have realized how computer science and other areas of STEM can be so impactful on our world. By taking this risk, I now have a solution to a problem that over 200 million people in the world face, and everyone can do so as well. I started out not having any computer science experience and not knowing much about pre-existing methods for individuals with developmental disabilities, but now I've become an advocate for them, and I'm passionate about virtual reality and using that to make an impact on the world. Yeah, and um, I really agree with what you said about taking risks because I believe the only way you can really develop as an individual is when you push out of your bubble and try to accomplish things that you never thought you would have done before, but I think that's the only way you can progress. And sometimes those risks may not turn out as you really want them to because they are risks after all. But I think it's important as youth to be able to take those risks and find out early on what works for you and what doesn't and what you like and what you don't like. So then when you are older, you do know what you want to pursue. And I think that's really powerful. Um, so you can spend more time not thinking about if you have the capability of doing it, but what you're going to do and how much it's going to impact the world. Um, so thank you so much, Anika. As usual, I will have all her socials linked below. Make sure to give her personal profile a follow on her Instagram. Uh, as well, make sure to check out her website and her LinkedIn. And I'll see you guys next week. And remember to always ask questions and to stay curious. See you next time.